good day. My name is Sky, and I appreciate you spending some study time with me. I'm here to help you make money in online poker by teaching you key strategies and getting you to take action. Boy, howdy, do we have a doozy today. This is going to be a great podcast, especially for anybody who finds themselves in ugly, out-of-position spots over and over again. I am going to teach you that position is king in poker. You want to play to gain position as much as often against your opponent. And I'm going to give you all the strategies plus three example hands where I discuss how I utilized position against my opponents. Now, this video is, um, or this podcast is also made in video form, presentation form, where you, you can actually see me going through those three example hands right there. So go to the show notes page for this episode, smartpokerstudy.com slash pod. Four, five, two. When you go there, boom, you can watch the episode. But please continue listening because I do my best during the podcast itself, the audio portion. I explain everything that happens in those three hand examples and all the strategies you need to play in position more often. Okay, let's do this. Gambate! Everybody just stay calm. I can handle this, no problem. I know how to deal. License and registration, please. What seems to be the officer problem? Position is king. Let's get into it. So there are some advantages that come from having position. First is you can get more bread and butter. Now, bread and butter is a specific situation where you are the preflop raiser in position against one or two other opponents. And I've talked about bread and butter uh, a ton in the past. There's a link in the description down below. But... Bread and butter spots are the most profitable, uh, easiest to play, most fun spots you can get. And the more bread and butter that you get, the better. Now, another advantage, you have more information to work with. You get to see their actions. And if they do make an action like betting or raising, you get to see their bet size. And you can make some kind of a read on the potential strength of their hand based on that sizing. You also have more time to think. Common situation when you are in position, you raised on the button, they called in the big blind. As soon as that flop hits, they're going to take at least a few seconds to consider uh, uh, how their hand interacts with the board. They might even take a little bit longer, right? But the time that they think about their decision, that gives you that additional time. You can consider your opponent's ranges based on how they enter the pot pre-flop, how those ranges interact with the board. You have time to look at their HUD or think about their tendencies, open a pop-up, look at specific stats related to the situation that you're in right now. You you even have time to take a look at your notes on the opponent. Maybe something that you've noted in the past will give you a good read on what to do right now. Position continues on the turn and river as well. When they're out of position on the flop and they check and they face your bet, oftentimes they think about, oh man, if I call right now, I'm just going to be out of position on the next street. If I check, he's probably going to bet again. If I call the turn, oh my gosh, I'm going to be out of position again on the river. So they're going to have a little bit more pressure to fold at some point, flops or turns, uh, instead of allowing you to have that positional advantage and just bet, 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 street after street, putting that aggression uh, pressure on them. And speaking of aggression, hey, it works better when in position. Kind of going to that prior idea of they're going to be out of position, turns and rivers too. Well, they have to consider that. And your aggression right now, they just don't know what you're going to do if you check and then you bet future streets, you can continue that aggression. We're going to see a pretty good example of this in just a little bit. Now, what are the best positions? You probably already know the answer, right? The hijack, the cutoff, and ultimately the button are the best positions. 
Now, you could say Sky, the big blind, gets to last act last after everybody else makes their preflop action. And that's absolutely true. So preflop, if we just think about viewing actions, yes, the button, I'm sorry, the big blind has the best position. But now, getting back to that prior point, they have to contend with if they decide to call somebody's open raise right now, they're going to be out of position flop, turn, and river. So while the big blind is a pretty decent position, you have a good read on everybody's ranges and what they've got going on pre-flop, man, if you get involved, you are putting yourself out of position. All right, so how to play in position more often. First, you want to play most of your hands in the late positions. Like we already said, the hijack, the cutoff, and the button are the best spots. So this means that you're going to be open raising, isolation raising, which is raising over a limper, and you're going to be three betting at every positive EV opportunity in those best situations. So let me ask you a question. I don't know. Uh, you should know this or have a general idea. What is your VPIP by position? Generally, VPIP should increase by position all the way from the EP up through the button, like a steady increase. And VPIP is voluntarily put money in the pot for those who don't know. You should be putting more money into the pot, entering more hands as your position gets better. And your VPIP on the button should be the highest. If you take a look in Poker Tracker 4 at your VPIP by position and you see that the small blind and the big blind are both higher than the button, Whoa, what's going on here? You're, what you need to do is cut that down, fold more often out of those blinds, and actually commit chips in those better positions. Like I said, if your blinds VPIP is greater than cutoff and button, you're giving them position too often. You're just handing them bread and butter. Now, you want to look out for callers and three betters before you open raise or ISO raise in the EP, MP, and the cutoff. Now, that doesn't mean, right, like, Let's imagine you have a hand like ace-jack suited in the hijack. Uh, just because you have players who love calling on the cutoff and button, or maybe even potentially three-betting sometimes, that doesn't mean you shouldn't open raise. But the thing is, you want to think about the post-flop situation you may be getting yourself into. Go ahead, open raise out of the hijack with your ace-jack suited. Just realize that there's a good chance the cutoff or the button is going to be calling. So how are you going to approach the flop when out of position versus those players? There's a chance they're going to be three betting as well, right? You look at those tendencies of theirs, you see a high three bet percentage, especially when they're in the cutoff or the button. You've got a plan before you open raise with ace jack, plan on what you're going to do versus their potential three bet bluff. Plan ahead as often as possible. You don't want to just look down in the hijack, it's folded to me. I got ace jack suited. I open raise. No, no, no. Look to your left. Look at the cut off the button, the small blind, and the big blind, and try to gauge what you think their reaction to your action is going to be. And ultimately, I already mentioned it once, to play in position more often, you got to call less in the blinds. That means simply folding more often. Now, here's the thing. Before you call preflop out of the blinds, realize that you're putting yourself out of position. The cutoff player raised, you look down at whatever hand it is, and you think it's worthy of calling. Look back at the open raising opponent right there. What kind of player is he? What are his post-flop tendencies? If you call, you're going to put yourself out of position. So how does your opponent play post-flop when in position? Think about the tendencies, look at their HUD stats, gauge what kind of player they are. Start planning right now before you click that call. 
and also before three betting, right? Because calling out of the blinds, that's one version or one mode of defense, three betting as well. If you do three bet out of the blinds, let's imagine versus a cutoff open raiser, there's a chance he calls. So what is your post-flop plan in case he calls? Once again, you're going to be out of position. You have the opportunity to C-bet out of position. What are your opponent's tendencies versus C-bets? How does he play post-flop when he has position against his opponent? The more thought you put into that kind of stuff about your opponent, you're playing the player, you're going to be setting yourself up for better post-flop situations by doing so. All righty, so let's get to some example hands right here. In this hand, this is where you, how position gives you more information to work with. Let's check it out. We are on the button with king-queen offsuit. Uh, it's a five tables dealt into a six max game. The first two players fold. We have our option to open raise. Remember, once again, you always want to look to your left to see what kind of players you got. We have a player in the small blind who calls 13%. They three bet 6% of the time. If we look at the pop-up, well, they've done some three bets out of the big blind and the cutoff. Nothing in the small blind just yet. Now, the big blind villain, 13-13 player, we only have eight hands, but he looks tight aggressive. But look at that chip stack, 343 big blinds. He has three and a half buy-ins right now. He could be the kind of player that's willing to splash around, throw some chips around in hopes of um, uh, uh, using his opponent's money to make even more money right here. So we do decide to open raise. We got a king-queen off on the button after all. The small blind. Oh, he makes a three bet. How interesting. He's the most capable player um, in the situation right now to our left, who's possibly making a three bet. And he's doing it probably has a very wide range. He made it nine big blinds over our three big blind open. The big blind button villain decides to fold. Great. So it's us. What we can do right now is we can fold. We can come over the top and four bet bluff. Remember, we have king-queen off. If we four-bet, it's definitely a bluff. We want him to fold, right? And that's not a bad play, necessarily. But let's see if we can't utilize position against this aggressive player and just call. One of the benefits of doing this is when we call on the button, this player is going to be out of position. He C-bets 64% of the time, 9 out of 14 opportunities. So more often than not, 2 out of every 3 or so, he C-bets. But let's take a look, right? Um, you always want to plan ahead to the future. His in-position C-betting is 57%. Out-of-position is 71%. He C-bets a ton when he's out of position. Five out of seven, 71%. But on the turn, ooh, it drops down to 33%. A very turn-honest player. So right now, my plan, in case I don't hit anything on the flop, I'm going to call his flop C-bet. And then as soon as he checks the turn, boom, I'm going to bet a nice two-thirds pot or so to take it down. That's at least the initial plan right now because he C-bets so often on flop, but he's honest on the turn. So we decide to call. The pot is 19 big blinds. We've got the king-queen off in a three-bet pot as the caller, but we are in position. Remember, you get more information to work with because you get to see what your opponent does before you have to act. On the flop, seven, deuce, eight. Two diamonds. We don't have any diamonds. What a shame. But seven, deuce, eight, two diamonds. He checks to us. Holy cow. This is perfect, right? We were going to call his flop bet um, and then bluff the turn. But here's the thing. Look at that board. Seven, deuce, eight with two diamond. Not wet at all. Pretty darn dry board for the most part. I mean, there's a flush draw possible and the seven, eight are connected. But this guy, three betting, he likely didn't hit anything that works with that seven, and the eight, right? Um, but he decided to check to us. Now, 
what would our opponent do? Remember, we have extra time for and more information to work with right here. He checked to us after that flop hit. What does that mean? Like, what's he doing this with? If he had pocket tens and he three bet preflop, if he had pocket queens, wouldn't he C bet right here? Wouldn't most players C bet with an overpair on the seven deuce eight because they don't want to see a free turn ace or a king to beat their overpair hand? Absolutely, they would. This player's check is a total sign of weakness. So I go with a different plan instead right now, right? Uh, he checks showing weakness. I decide to come out for a bet. I make it 12 big blinds into 19, putting really good pressure on him. And then boom, he folds and awards me the pot. I used all the information that I had available, his HUD stats, his tendencies, his position, the fact that he would have bet if he had an overpair on the seven deuce eight. Lovely little result for this hand. Now for our next hand example, we have ace-king offsuit and under the gun plus one, six max table. This hand is a good example of having more time to think and how that can help you make specific post-flop plays to exploit your opponent. So under the gun player, 32 slash 21 player, decides to open raise to 2.8 big blinds right here. If we take a look at his raise first in, now it's a small sample, right? But he's at 41% raising first in, seven out of 17. He has a very wide range. Our ace-king is well ahead of all the other aces, all the other king-x, queen-x, and we have good equity versus all those small and medium pocket pairs, and definitely against all the suited connectors and suited gappers that he's open raising here. So for this reason, I love making a 3-bet. He opened to 2.8. I'm 3-betting to 10 big blinds. Everyone ends up folding. Awesome. If he calls, we are going to be in position uh, in a 3-bet pot as the pre-flop uh, three better, we're going to have some bread and butter right here, potentially. And he does call. Awesome, right? Now the flop comes seven, six, deuce, rainbow. Almost as dry as it can get, especially in a three-bet pot. Our opponent checks to us. Now, of course he's going to check to us. It's a three-bet. If he has an overpair, if he flopped a set of sevens right now, we could probably expect a check raise, right? But in the time that he took to think about his hand, I can do that exact same thing. I three-bet pre-flop he called. Now, let me ask you a question. What kind of hands make up a three-bet caller's range? Well, oftentimes, they are going to be pocket pairs like eights, nines, and tens. Something better or an overpair on the seven high board right here, right? But those three-bet calling ranges are also full of broadways. Ace-king, ace-queen, ace-jack, king-queen, king-jack suited, queen-jack suited, potentially as well. So many Broadways hate the 7-6 deuce rainbow board. The best draw he could have is two overs with some kind of a backdoor draw right now. Now, like I said, he could have some over pairs, but this is a really good opportunity. Thinking about his range, thinking about his board, he checks to us, I make a 13 big blind, two-thirds pot bet. Now, the idea here, like in that prior hand, I three bet in preflop. I do have tens, jacks, queens, kings, and aces. If I had any of those hands... Wouldn't I really try to make a bet like this? Try going for value in this opportunity? Absolutely, I would, right? 13 big blinds into 21.5 signifies that I have a strong hand. I'm not just betting half pot. I'm not betting one third pot at seven big blinds. I am going for value. That's what my bet looks like right here. I'm hoping for that at least because I want to take it down. Remember, I just have ace king on the seven six deuce board, right? So, he ends up check folding right there. Really easy spot. But in the time that he took to think about the board, to think about his actions, I had that extra time to consider how his range interacted with the board. And it worked out.
Now, our last hand example is one where aggression works better when in position. We're in the big blind with ace nine offsuit. It's folded around six max table, four players fold. The small blind, I only have 15 hands on the small blind. He's a seven slash zero player. So potentially a tight player, or maybe he's just been dealt crappy hands in his first 15, right? But he decides to open to 2.5. Now, I do have the ace nine off, and I don't mind at all three betting right now. But occasionally, with that ace nine off, I'm kind of under-repping. It's not the strongest hand in the world. I'm not a big fan of that nine kicker. But still, he probably might not expect such a strong ace high hand in a calling range. Potentially not. You know, like I said, I only have 15 hands on the guy. Don't know much about him. But I decide to call ace nine offsuit, seeing the flop in position. The flop comes down four, six, queen with two hearts, and I have the ace of hearts. So I have the nut flush backdoor, or nut backdoor flush draw, but also the nut flush blocker right now with this hand. This player comes out for just a half pot bet, two and a half big blinds. Um, he could be doing this with a really wide range. All those under pairs, right, that open raised out of the small blind, queen high board, he could be doing this with jacks, tens, nines, eights, and sevens. Pocket uh, sixes and fours for a set can do it as well. Pocket queens as well. But he could be doing this this with ace high bluffs, king high bluffs, jack high bluffs, uh, nine eight suited, ten nine suited, things like that as well. The hands that I have equity against, but hands where he's potentially just bluffing. And because I am blocking the nut flush draw right now, I decide to raise. Now, it is kind of on the small side. He bet 2.5. I made it six big blinds. And the reason why is because I'm just kind of figuring if he has nothing at all, he's just going to fold right here. I don't think I need to risk too much to bluff this bluff this player off the hand. I figured most ace high, king high, jack high, 10 high hands can simply fold to this bet right here. But he decided to call. Ah, now keep in mind, I am using aggression in position. I went from pre-flop passivity, just calling in position, to now I am raising him in position. I'm trying to tell him I mean business. Hopefully he's picking up on that, but who knows? We'll see. So he called the six big blinds. The pot is 17 big blinds. We see the turn is a six of clubs. So the board is four, six, queen, six with two hearts still. He decides to check to me. So I'm thinking to myself, well, I raised him preflop. I could have had a set of fours. I could have had a set of sixes. Now I got quads. I could have had ace, queen, top pair, top kicker. I'm going to keep repping that strong hand. I'm going to try to put maximum pressure against any weird ace high, king high kind of hands that continued, but especially against those pocket jacks, tens, nines, and eights, something below that queen. What would I bet to get value out of those hands with my top pair, top kicker, if I had it, right? I only have ace nine. So I bet 11 big blinds into 17, sending the message that, hey, buddy, I, I raised you on the flop for value. I'm betting again. I'm trying to get all of your chips or as many chips as I can. He check calls 11 big blinds. Now the pot is 39 big blinds. And the river comes a five of spades, making the complete board four, six, queen, six, five. No flush draw completed right there. 39 big blind pot. He checks again. Now, if we think about it, maybe he does have ace, king, ace, jack that didn't want to fold. Um, he has those pocket pairs, jacks, tens, nines, and eights that are all ahead of my ace nine right now. I've got to get him to fold. And quite often against a tight player like this, remember at the beginning, 15 hands, seven slash zero. Tight players hate calling three streets with an under pair. 
They truly do. So I'm going to try to use that against him. I'm going to use my 15-hand read on this player, right? He seems like a tight player. He got passive and check called flop, check called, or bet called flop, check called turn. This is my opportunity to bet into him. I made it, or this is my opportunity to triple barrel bluff him with maximum pressure. I made it 25 into 39. Kind of imagining what would I bet here with a set of fours that turned into a full house, ace, queen, that kind of thing. Like what would I bet for value? 25 into 39 definitely feels like a strong bet. And he check folds and awards me that pot right there. 39 big blind pot with my triple barreling aggression. And that position really helped me pull the trigger on these plays. So position starts with table and seat selection. The basic idea here is that you want position versus tough opponents. When you do that, you help to you help yourself avoid those difficult spots, right? With position on the loose aggressive players, you're not going to be the one facing their three bets or in position aggression nearly as often, right? You can be the one pressuring them with three bets. And in poker, you don't want to be the one making it easy for your opponents to use aggression against you. You want to be in position using aggression against them. Make their life at the table miserable. Don't allow them to make your life miserable by keeping those loose aggressive players on your left. And also, when they get aggressive post-flop, you have more information because they're on your right. They open-raised, you called, just like that prior hand, right, with the ace-nine offsuit. Boom! We get now extra time and extra uh, uh, information to work with to exploit those opponents, those loose-aggressive, capable, tough opponents. Also, table selection helps to isolate weaker players in the blinds. When those weak players are on your left, you're on the cutoff or you're on the button, you have a better chance of isolating those players. Now, it also just makes poker easier and more fun in general. Like I said, you want to be the one pressuring them. It sucks when you're out of position and you've got three, <laughs> two, or even three very loose aggressive three betters, C betters, razors in position on you. Now, let's take a look at these two tables. Uh, this first table right here, you see Hero up there in seat one. Seat two, directly to his left, is a 21-slash-nine player. Fishy player. He folds to steals a ton as well. We love seeing that kind of stuff right there. He doesn't three-bet, only 2%. The next player to his left, 35-slash-15. Another fishy player. He doesn't steal that often, but you can imagine when Hero is on the button, this player that doesn't like to fold to steals is in the big blind. What a great bread-and-butter opponent to be facing. Now, let's take a look at this other table. These are actually the same two tables with the same players. I just moved the HUD stats around on it. Over here, we've got a player on our direct left who's a 28-21, three bets at 6%. Tough player to be against, out of position. Every time we open raise, we have to be concerned with him three betting against us. Now, the other player directly to his left, two to our left, holy cow, He's a 32-slash-25 player. He three-bets at 12%. Another player with position on us that's capable of utilizing that aggression. Now, that first player, Villain65, to our direct left, he C-bets the flop a ton at 78%. He's honest on the turn, so there are some ways that we can use his position, use his aggression, use his turn honesty against him. But just in general, man, we don't want this kind of player making life difficult on us. 
The second player, two to our left, he c-bets 63% flop, 75% turn. He loves to double barrel. If we open raise and he three bets and we call and he's in position, maybe on the button, we can expect two or three streets of betting. He's going to make our life pretty tough, assuming we don't hit something very good on that flop. So here is your sticky note, the two bits of information that you need to take with you into the future. Write this down, attach it to your monitor. Position is king. Strive to play in position as much as possible. And have position on the tough players, those winning players and the loose aggressive ones at your table. Now I want you to take action. I want you to play for position for five sessions, your very next five sessions, maybe one per day, however you do this kind of stuff, right? But play for position. You want to be aware of your position with every hand pre-flop and on every street. You want to be in position post-flop. And if you're out of position, you want to try to avoid those, at least for these five sessions right here. Choose seats and choose tables without lags or winners on your left, especially those two players to your direct left. And just strive to play as many hands as possible in position. You can even whip out a tick sheet and just record how many flops you see in position versus how many out of position flops you see. And then when you do have position against your opponents and you're going post-flop, utilize that position against your opponents on every single street. And good luck to you. 